Well, that's our desire is that you would experience Christmas in an entirely different way this year. Welcome to The Crossing. So good to see you today. We are officially kicking off our Christmas season here at The Crossing. Today is our Christmas give, and there are hundreds of kids in our valley who will not get Christmas without us. So we've partnered with Head Start and West Care Women's Children's and uh, Women and Children's Shelter, and uh, we are going to be buying gifts for these kids. And so here's what's great: it's one of my favorite Sundays of the year. Is we're going to go buy gifts this week, bring them back next week, and then what we're going to allow them to do is the parents are going to come in and going to actually be able to shop for their kids. We'll help them wrap their kids, and so they're going to be able to give their kids gifts with dignity. And we think that's just a big win for uh, for those parents and for us. And on top of that, we're going to be doing gift cards for our own church family. We have families here at the Crossing who will not have Christmas without us. And so we're going to help put food on their table, gifts underneath their tree. We'll give you more information about that at the end of the service. And today we're passing out our Christmas invite cards. We have five identical Christmas services. We're going to start on Wednesday night, December 23rd at 5 and 7. And then on Christmas Eve, the 24th, it'll be 3, 5, and 7. And I hope you're thinking about who you're going to invite. This is your easiest inviting opportunity of the year. Um, I have several friends that don't go to church here, don't have a relationship with Christ that I'm inviting. Um, I've invited them several times before, and I'm hoping this will be the year that they'll finally come and be a part of that. And so it's going to be a great, great service. It's going to be a great service. Encourage us to be thinking about who you're going to invite. Well, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Luke chapter 2. We're going to start off today um, a three-week series just to prepare our hearts for Christmas and all that God has for us. I love Christmas. I don't know if you love Christmas or not. I love Christmas. I love Christmas lights. I love Christmas presents. I love the Christmas tree. I love Christmas coffee. There's nothing like a peppermint mocha this time of year that just makes Christmas so much better. And I love Christmas movies. I even like the cheesy ones. There's a chance I might even turn on the Hallmark Channel this Christmas season. I might watch one of those Christmas movies. But for sure, I'm going to watch the classics. My favorite Christmas movie is It's a Wonderful Life. I mean, there's just something about It's a Wonderful Life that just makes my heart warm. My, my daughter and I, it's our tradition that on Christmas Eve we'll watch this together until we fall asleep. Just love that movie. Or there's The Grinch. Maybe some of you, your favorite one is The Grinch. Um, there's Christmas Vacation. Nothing like watching Clark Griswold try to light the, the house, you know, and to cut down that tree. Or Elf. Some of you are wearing purpley this morning. I've got my purpley shirt on here. I love Elf. Or Home Alone. You might be Home Alone. Um, now, the movie that will play all day on Christmas is A Christmas Story. Don't ever put your tongue on a frozen pole. That's what you can learn from that. And I don't know if it's been a long time since you've seen that movie, but if you watch it again, every adult is negative, pessimistic, cynical, and just kind of mean. And the kids are wide-eyed, full of anticipation, full of hope and excitement about Christmas. So here's my question for you. What would it take for you to approach Christmas again with childlike anticipation? What would it take for you to approach Christmas with this excitement that you had as a kid? Here's the problem. We're so familiar with Christmas that we're just bored with the story. 
I mean, we're not astonished by it anymore. I want to give you the big idea of this message up front because I want this to kind of frame the whole context of where we're going today. I want you to have this in mind. Here's the big idea for you today is to celebrate Christmas with a childlike astonishment. To celebrate Christmas with a childlike astonishment. And let me go a step further in this. I want to give you a vision statement for Christmas. I want to give you this vision statement, these three statements that will help frame this whole season into place for you, and it's this. It's to celebrate the birth of Christ as if you were there to witness it in person. I want that for you. I want you to be amazed and marvel as if it's the first time that you've ever heard it, to experience it with childlike astonishment. That's my hope. That's my vision for you this Christmas. Well, before we start into our main scripture in Luke chapter 2, let me read a scripture out of Matthew chapter 19. Jesus is teaching, and there's something that begins to happen as Jesus is teaching his people. In in, uh, verse 13, it says, Then people brought little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and to pray for them. Can you imagine this moment? If you were a parent watching Jesus pray over your kids, what a moment that must have been. But the disciples rebuked them. You kind of look at this and you're like, I don't know if it's okay to say this or not, but the disciples are kind of being jerks, right? I mean, why would they do that? But this is the typical attitude towards kids in the time of Jesus. In the first century, kids were not admired or cherished. They were not thought of in a positive way because it was all about production. And kids didn't really produce anything. A kid didn't contribute to society, so they were secondary, and that was the normal attitude. But Jesus has something to say about this. Jesus said, let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. When he had placed his hands on them, he went on from there. See, this is so countercultural. The chapter before this, in Matthew chapter 18, Jesus actually tells us that we need to become like children. That we need to become like children. That if we want to experience all that God has for us, that we need to become like children. And Jesus here is not talking about being childish, okay? You probably have some adults in your life who are just childish. That's not what Jesus is talking about here. He's talking about being childlike. Being childlike in the way that you trust God. Being childlike in your dependence on God. I love to have little kids around on Christmas morning. My kids are all adults and they're boring at this point. When the kids are little, I mean, Christmas is fun. It is fun watching a kid unwrap a Christmas present. You remember when you were a kid and it came your turn? I mean, you were in there like in three seconds. It didn't take you any time at all. Now, some of you moms, you drive us crazy. Because the way that you open up gifts is you open up just one piece of tape at a time so that you do not tear the paper at all. Now, you have never reused wrapping paper in your life. (laughs) But just in case, you know, you're not going to tear anything. I love watching kids celebrate Christmas. What if we could go back to Christmas with that childlike astonishment? about all that God has done for us. And with that in mind, let's turn to Luke chapter 2, and we'll dive in. We're going to start here in verse 8. It says, And there were shepherds living in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. Now, shepherds were the lowest of the occupations. that They were considered low-class, unclean people. They lived with the animals, 
They ate around the animals. When they slept, they laid down and the animals were nearby. They smelled like animals. And on top of that, people thought that shepherds were thieves because their sheep would be grazing on other people's property. You remember Jeff Foxworthy? You might be a redneck if. Well, if Jeff Foxworthy lived around this time, it would have been, you might be a shepherd if. Because they were outcasts socially. And they were outcasts spiritually. Because they took care of animals, they were considered unclean. And so a shepherd was not allowed to go worship at the temple. They were unclean. And here's what's interesting. is Jesus had not been born in a manger, the shepherds would have never been part of the story. They wouldn't have been invited to come in because they would have been considered unclean. Verse 9, it says, An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. This phrase, good news, is where we get the word gospel. It's, it's where we get the word gospel. Gospel actually means the good story. That the angel could have said it, that we are bringing you the good story that is going to bring great joy. In other words, this news, it's going to do something to you. It's not only going to astonish you, it's going to bring joy in your life. And this will be for all people, not just shepherds, not just Jewish shepherds, not just for the people of that era, for everyone. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Let me stop here for, for just a minute because if there is anything in the message of Christianity that does not strike you as good news, then perhaps it's time for you to approach Christmas again with childlike eyes again. Do you hear what I'm saying? If there's anything about Christianity that is, does not come across to you as this is the good news, this is the good story, then you have lost something along the way. Because if someone comes to you and they go, hey, listen, I've got good news for you. When they're sharing good news to you, the first thing that goes in your mind is, oh, I wonder what they're going to want from me. You know, I wonder what this is going to mean for me. What am I going to have to give up? Is this going to cause me more work? No, you don't think that because this is good news. What would it look like for you to begin to approach this whole season again? Like this is good news and this makes a difference in my life. It goes on here in verse 13. It says, suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with an angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven. And on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and they had gone into heaven, the shepherds said to themselves, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what they had been told about this child. And all who heard were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. Now, as they leave to go, to go check this whole thing out, I, I'm guessing that, you know, one of the shepherds kind of drew the short straw. You know, he had to stay back and he had to take care of the sheep. But the rest of them, they went to go check this out. And did you see what their first response was? It was to spread the news. They went to everybody and they said, we have got to tell you about what we've seen and heard. We've got to tell you about Jesus I mean, we've seen him. And here's the irony, is the first announcement of Jesus 
came from those who were outcasts. The first announcement of Jesus came from those who were socially unacceptable, did not fit in. That ought to say something about us because I think for a lot of us, we just feel like we're on the fringes of God. That maybe God doesn't really accept us or maybe that there's other church people in your life that you feel like who don't quite accept you. I think for the majority of us, we kind of feel like these outcasts. Pretty amazing that the first announcement about Jesus came to people like us, came to people like you and me. Then verse 19, it says, but Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which was just as they had been told. That Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. This word treasured means to keep in, in a safe place for safekeeping. And this word pondered, it's to weigh out everything that's happened. So here's what she's doing, is she's putting all of these things together. She's putting the angels and the shepherds and the cattle and the stable and the manger and Joseph and saying, wow, God, I don't want to forget this. I want to treasure these moments. I want to soak in the moment of what you're doing in my life. Max Lucado, in his book, God Came Near, one of his chapters, he has a whole chapter of questions that he says, I would like to ask Mary. It's questions like this. How did he act when he got his first haircut? What was it like watching Jesus pray? When he saw a rainbow, did he ever mention a flood? Did you ever feel awkward teaching him how he created the world? When he saw a lamb being led to the slaughter, did he act differently? Did he ever come home with a black eye? Do you have any friends by the name of Judas? Did he do well in school? Did you ever scold him? Did you ever ask a question about scripture? Did you ever think that is God eating my soup? Mary just soaked in all of these moments. She treasured them. She pondered them in her heart. We know that Jesus was wrapped in rags and lying in a manger. I think we get this idea of the financial stress that Mary and Joseph had, but I don't think we have any idea of how poor he really was, how poor they really were. That Jewish law required that when a woman gives birth, she was to give a lamb as a sacrifice. It was, it was part, of the, part of this whole process. Look in Leviticus chapter 12. Maybe you didn't know that this was in here. It says, but if she cannot afford a lamb, she is to bring two doves and, or two young pigeons, one for a burnt offering and one for a sin offering. In this way, the priest will make atonement for her and she will be clean. In other words, if you couldn't afford a lamb, you can bring a pigeon or a dove. Well, now, with that in mind, let's read verse 21. It says, On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name that the angel had given him before he was conceived. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it was written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves 
or two young pigeons. Did you catch this? They had to bring the lesser of the sacrifice. They couldn't afford the lamb to come to sacrifice. I find this interesting. Because that God chooses to enter the world through a couple of peasants. And the first people that he tells are these poor blue-collar shepherds. And here's the story of Christmas. It's full of relational stress, emotional stress, financial stress. I mean, some things never change. Why would God choose to bring his son into a world like this? Because this is the world that he brought you into. See, the problem with Christmas is just a season full of stress and obligation. There's the obligation to decorate. I don't know if there's conversations in your home about putting lights on the house like there are in my home. You know, it's this this obligation. And then you have some neighbor who just ruins it for you, don't you? I mean, they go all out with their decorations. Well, I ran across this picture that might help you out. Just put ditto on your house. Wherever that guy is, just ditto, just what he did. You know, there's the obligation to send cards. And if sending cards isn't bad enough, you have to get a new family picture. I mean, it's like the worst moment of the year, isn't it? Trying to get your family all together, trying to get them happy so you can take a picture. You have the obligation to buy gifts. You have the obligation to go to all these Christmas parties. And somewhere along the way, We lost the astonishment of Christmas. Somewhere along the way, Christmas became this obligation instead of this astonishment. So how do we reestablish this astonishment? How do we celebrate Christmas with childlike eyes again? See, at Christmas, we see two worlds collide. It's the natural world and the supernatural world. We live in the natural world. This Christmas, we think about buying Christmas trees. We think about Christmas lights. We think about reading Christmas cards. We try to avoid the in-laws at all costs. I seriously doubt that you're going to run into any pregnant virgins or angels or shepherds keeping their flocks at night because we live in the real world. And in the real world, it's full of real pain and real struggles and real stress. But Christmas is when these two worlds come together. They collide. God becomes man. The supernatural becomes natural. And that's the hope of Christmas. That God loves you enough and God knows your story enough to send his son for you. And so as we try to reestablish this astonishment, I just have two things for you. It's a learning from the shepherds and from Mary. And here's the first one. The shepherd's response to Jesus was to go and tell. For the shepherds, what they did is they went and told everyone they came in contact with. That's their response to Jesus. Now, there's certain things we just can't help talking about. This last Thursday, we had our staff Christmas party. I have the privilege of working with the most amazing staff in the world. We have incredible staff here at the Crossing. Just love them. We had our Christmas party with our staff and spouses, and we had dinner together, and we gave away some goofy gifts, and it was a lot of fun and just just a really good time. So when I got home, I Instagrammed some pictures, tweeted out a few pictures about our Christmas party, and my sister-in-law, she tweets me back, and she says, if you were at a Christmas party, you missed the game. You need to go watch the highlights. 
Well, my brother and his wife, they are avid Green Bay Packer fans. I mean, they love the Packers. So I'm like, I didn't know what she was talking about. So I go on, and I start seeing the news feed of the greatest Hail Mary pass of all time. So I get on to look, watch the highlights, and I watch as Aaron Rodgers takes the snap with zero seconds. And if you've ever seen the last play start with zero seconds, you're going, is that possible? In this one case, it is possible. You have to go back and see it. He takes a snap and throws the most amazing 61-yard Hail Mary pass for the Green Bay Packers to win the game. Pretty amazing. And I'm telling you, if you did not see the highlights, you need to go back and see the highlights. I mean, it is pretty amazing. For some of us who have been Christians for a long time, we used to approach Jesus with that same kind of excitement. We want to tell everybody. But somewhere along the way, we just lost the excitement. We've, we've completely forgotten how excited we were when Jesus Christ changed our life. For some of you, when you came to Christ, I mean, you told everybody. You told everybody the difference that, that God had made in your life. And you begin to tell them that you need to come and see. You need to check this out. And something happens to us along the way, just the longer that we're Christians. We lose our excitement of what God has done for us. Got a letter a few days ago from a lady at our church who had gone through a, a series of pretty horrible things in her life, and she had decided that she was just going to end it all. She could not bear to live in the pain that she was in any longer. And as she said, she says, in my last ditch effort to make sense of all this, I decided I would come to the crossing. And a few weeks ago, she sat right where you're sitting, and she surrendered her life to Jesus. She gave her life to Jesus. And she wrote, she goes, I just needed to tell you what a difference that God has made in my life. See, when we begin to realize that, that an invitation to somebody could save their life, could change the trajectory of, of where somebody's life is going. Maybe the most significant thing you can do to reestablish astonishment is to have a spiritual conversation with someone who is far from God, to tell them the good news, to tell them the good story about God. And I want to push you a little bit in this. I, I want to push you a little bit because if there is a time all year long that people are more receptive to the message of Jesus, it's right now, it's Christmas. I mean, people put nativity sets in their front yard. It's usually okay to mention Jesus during this time of year. And we have three weeks until our Christmas service is here. So here's what I want to just encourage you to do, is that you go home and you make a list. You make a list of one or two or three people in your life who are far from God, who don't have a relationship with Christ. And you write their name down. And then you pray for them every single day. You pray that God would open up a door, that God would provide an opportunity for you to, to start a spiritual conversation and just make an invitation. And then make that bold invitation. Just invite them to come with you to one of the Christmas services. And here's what I promise you. If you invite them, I promise you that they will hear a message about Jesus in a non-offensive way. And there'll be some moments where we're going to laugh together. The, the service we put together is an amazing service. There's going to be some moments that we're going to laugh together, but there's going to be some moments where you're going to encounter God in a fresh and unique way.
It'll be this moment. So the shepherd's response to Jesus was to go and tell. To go and tell. It's one of the ways that we reestablish this astonishment. So we invite somebody else in to be a part of what we've seen and heard. But for Mary, Mary's response to Jesus was she treasured and pondered all of these things in her heart. She treasured and pondered all these things in her heart. Think about what Mary was going through. She finds out that she's pregnant, and who is going to believe her story? I mean, nobody's going to believe that story, right? She's faced with, with humiliation. There's rumors about her unfaithfulness. She doesn't know whether Joseph is going to end up divorcing her or not. She doesn't know what's going to happen. And then, when that's all taken care of, she ends up getting on the back of a donkey at nine months pregnant and traveling 70 to 80 miles to go pay her taxes. You think you hate paying your taxes? Try that. Then she gets to Bethlehem, and she goes into labor, and they have no place to deliver the baby. The panic that they must have been going through. That is, the labor pains are coming closer and closer together, and there's nowhere to lay down. There's nowhere to have this baby. And so somebody lets them in to a barn off in the back of a house, and she has her baby, and then she is so poor that she can't even provide the best sacrifice when she goes to the temple. And if Mary can face all of those pressures and still treasure all of these things and ponder them in her heart, then you can too. That you can do the same thing, but it's not going to happen by accident. It's not going to happen by accident. It's going to be intentional. It's going to be choosing to treasure these moments. So let me give you a few things that I do. One of the things that I do is to, is to give a gift. Here, we're providing Christmas gifts for kids in our community. For my family, this is one of the most meaningful Christmas gifts that we buy all year long. Because it has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with me. I don't get any credit for it. No one's going to thank me. It's an opportunity just to serve and knowing I'm going to help a family and I'm going to change a child. To serve. Maybe you have an organization that you love or some people in your life that you want to pour into right now. We have opportunities here at the crossing as well. But let me give you one that I hope that you will take very seriously. It's this right here. It's for you to take a few moments each week and you will sit down and you will read the Christmas story with fresh eyes that you would get by yourself for 20 minutes with no interruptions and you would read through the Christmas story and then begin to write down how grateful you are for God maybe write down the things that just re-astonish you and to do this every week maybe this week you just read the Christmas story out of Matthew chapter 1 and 2 maybe next week it's it's out of Luke chapter 1 and 2 Maybe the week out of the, after that, it's out of the first chapter of John. That you just get these new perspectives about Jesus. And just begin to see what God does in your heart. Mike Iaconelli, in his book, Dangerous Wonder, he writes this. He says, we are in a war between dullness and astonishment. The most critical issue facing Christians... It's probably not all of those other issues we have. The most critical issue facing Christians today is dullness, he writes. We have lost our astonishment. The good news is no longer good news. It's okay news. Christianity is no longer life-changing. It's life-enhancing. 
Jesus doesn't change people into wild-eyed radicals anymore. He changes them into nice people. And he concludes this. He says, if Christianity is simply about being nice, I'm not interested. So when was the last time you got Christmas right? When was the last time that you got it right? See, this is our opportunity. Here we are at the beginning of the Christmas season. And to say, we're going to do it different this year. I want to be astonished all over again with what Jesus did for me. This is our opportunity to approach the Christmas season with the eyes of a child. To let what God has done impact us again. I want to pray for you. Here's what I want you to do. Is I want you to begin to think of the one or two or three people in your life who don't have a relationship with Christ and you begin to pray for them by name. You begin to pray for them by name. And then you begin to ponder how you're going to set aside some moments to connect with God this Christmas season. That you're not going to go through this 100 miles an hour again through the way that you've done in the past. That's going to be different this year. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for sending Jesus here for us. And God, we want to approach the Christmas season differently this season. God, we want to be able to go and tell the difference that you've made in our life. To have some moments where we ponder and treasure the gift that you've given us. God, help us to see this with childlike eyes again. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.